Hello and welcome to this season five episode of my podcast. What now with Simo? I'm Simo Sakari Aldonen, and for this episode, there will be a lot of different sounds you can hear in the background. I'm not sure how loudly you will hear each of these. We are in a place of the imagination. This is um, the bar that so far exists at this point in time exists only in my imagination but my imagination is quite vivid so it may sound quite realistic another thing about this I wanted to mention because I'm sure you can hear it is that uh, the place is still under construction so you will hear construction sounds most likely at some points there's work being done in different parts of this bar and uh, this is a bar where they also play my music so you may be able to make out some music in the background Uh, all these pieces are mine from the albums and possibly the single if it does come up uh, in the rotation the person in charge of the music is choosing the particular pieces right now and uh, I mean there is one single so far I'm working on two others which are in advanced states and have been for some time already a considerable time I'm always facing this issue at least so far although I do hope to get to a point where I won't be facing it anymore of uh, having many things in progress and uh, naturally choices have to be made about which ones to actively work on. Um, So right now I have three albums released in uh, chronological order. They are Passages, Dark and Light, Tales from the North, Book One, Early Music Archive, and then there is the single I mentioned called Land of Youth and Beauty. This is being recorded on the first day of 2024, the 1st of January, or as David Lynch would have said it on his weather reports, January 1. I love how he said that, mentioning the word that, uh, sorry, mentioning the number that way so it's january 1 and my birthday would be october 21 first of june would be june 1 and when i say something like this i don't i can't think of occasions when i would be making fun of someone i love these kinds of things. I love how different people are and I love people being themselves as long as the person isn't a complete jerk. I always need to add this disclaimer. If you've listened to my podcast over a longer period of time, you may have heard me say the same thing basically before. But uh, that's one thing that I felt like talking about. Namely, becoming yourself and uh, finding your own things. Because to me that has been such a super important thread in my life. And something that I feel I got to the point where I needed to be only in recent years I'll try to explain this briefly because I also feel like talking about many other things and by the way I'm seriously considering making some episodes in the future either of these um, in this form as part of the podcast or as something I do for my Patreon. I'm 
planning to start a Patreon in the near future to seek for uh, support for my creative work and to allow me to focus more on that. It is very important to me. It's my life's work. It's what I am here for. And uh, certainly I see it as the most important thing I can do in this life along with being there for people who I love and care about when I can. But I didn't finish the sentence. I was going to say that I'm seriously thinking of making some episodes in the future where I would talk and talk and talk because what you've heard so far if you've listened to this podcast over a long period of time is nothing yet to what I can do in terms of going on and on and on. I might be embarrassed to mention this if that was a bad thing but in in fact it's funny and it's just true what i'm talking about is the fact that i have made people fall asleep in real life by talking about something simply keeping talking and uh, to me that's not a bad thing because i'm someone who has had issues falling asleep that's my particular sleep issue since my teens so that's a long time now and let's not go into how long uh so to me i've become more aware of the time of the fact that there is truly value in things that can help others fall asleep and there's many interesting aspects to this I was just thinking about this before starting this recording and before coming to this imaginary bar. Um and thank you by the way for joining me here. I was thinking of the fact that there's a lot of music for example that has been made that's intended to be calming, soothing and these kinds of phrases are often used. and uh, usually what that means is that the music is slow and not with many things happening and uh, so it's meant to calm by being calm and in some sense uneventful but one thing about this is that it doesn't necessarily work that way for people in particular for people with uh, troubled restless minds because that kind of music can be very easy to just tune out what i mean is you can have it playing yet your mind can go to all kinds of places because the music isn't occupying your attention to such an extent i'm not putting down this type of music and uh, i may very well make that type of music in the future in some sense uh, land of youth and beauty had at least um that wasn't a very well constructed sentence i was going to say land of youth and beauty the single that lasts more than 12 minutes it has some features of that kind of music uh since it it on purpose and by design uh doesn't have sudden surprising elements it has the same elements that fluctuate like waves like a lake the surface of a lake and so on and i was saying about different types of music that might help the same of course applies to other forms of art but um speaking about just music for now it can uh, 
be more helpful for people with restless minds, like I said, to have music that occupies your attention to such an extent through various means, and this is another interesting topic to me, what those means can be, that you can't at least fully, or maybe not at all, be thinking about the troubling things. Things can happen in music and in other forms of art that do take your attention so fully that at least for some moments they absorb your attention completely. I've talked about this in previous episodes also. Sometimes how helpful truly helpful and healthy that is for people dealing with difficult things because anything that does that breaks the cycle of uh, stress, pain anguish, anxiety and so on all these feelings and um, I've talked about this also in connection with David Lynch's work and uh, one great example of that was and is season three of Twin Peaks because I remember so clearly still and it's and it also has this effect still but I remember when those episodes first came out I had very Uh, painful things to deal with where sometimes I uh, didn't know what to do to get through the day and night and then the next one and the next one or both those day and night day and night and uh, when the episodes came out I watched them as soon as they came out And uh, when I was watching those, I got freed from my anguish so fully because they were what I've come to think of as one possible and one very interesting definition of art or at least a certain type of art. Of course, not all all art needs to be like this. So I'm talking about a form form or type or subsection of art, whatever you want to call it. An array of elements arranged in such a way that it alters your state of mind or the way you are feeling. This could be phrased uh, precisely in a more definite way, but at least the early part of what I said is, I think, what it needs to be. Maybe eventually I will write this down in such a way that I will also uh, polish that final part of it. But so what I said was an array of elements arranged in such a way that it occupies your attention or engages your attention. Engages might be even better. Um, And uh, this is truly fascinating to me and goes to the heart of what art can be. What I'm talking about is the fact that you can create any kind of array of elements and depending on what you are aiming to achieve, the array can create, for example, this effect that I was talking about to be so absorbing that the person experiencing it can't help but be fascinated, engaged, 
drawn in and so on. There's other types of art and entertainment where it's not even meant to do that and then you can create other arrays of elements that don't go to that extreme or that direction. For example, of course it's wonderful to have also things that can be light and airy and maybe allowing you to also think of other things. That's also completely valid, of course. But here I was focusing on the type of art that does engage you fully or as fully as it's possible in the way that I think many of us may remember from childhood how many things back then engaged us that way. And over time, we may have realized, at least I realized, that fewer and fewer things had that power to do that to us as we went on in life as the years passed. And uh, that's, of course, completely understandable, considering that we become more able to discern we could use the word critical think or the phrase critical thinking here but um, for some reason I noticed myself not wanting to really use that phrase because I guess because it's often used as a lazy insult by people who think they are above others at least many others because of their ability to think critically. That, first of all, is an elitist entitled attitude because in order to even learn critical thinking in the intellectual sense, you have to have the circumstances in your life and the opportunities in your life to learn that. That's a privilege and uh, so if you have had a lot of time to focus on your critical thinking, then you have had a pretty privileged life. And uh, I consider myself in that category because then there are people who have simply had to struggle to make it through life. And of course, life experiences in general can develop critical thinking in various ways and of various types of critical thinking. But now I want to get back to the main track of this thought. The kinds of creations that I'm talking about. Here I was also reminded, I was thinking of this just yesterday, that a lot of the music I made, especially early on, had a quality that is conducive to this type of engagement in case it grabs someone. If it doesn't, then of course it simply doesn't grab someone and that's okay. There's more music in this world than anyone will ever be able to discover even a tiny percentage of really uh, in their lifetimes so or in his or her lifetime depending on how you want to phrase this but um, oh wait the music system is having some kind of glitch I'm, I'm looking at the person running the music Okay, they they noticed that, but it seems to have gone now. Okay, that by the way, the music didn't just fade out. That was the end of that track. Okay, um, and in fact, uh, a lot of these pieces that I've um, heard playing here as I talk 
Uh, most of them so far have been from this album called Early Music Archive, which is 50 tracks from the earliest of the first 10 years of me making music. I say it that way because there came a point when I realized that I had reached a new stage. I had started making music in new ways, with new tools, also like theoretical tools, uh, uh, my understanding of music and awareness of it had gone to a different point. So uh, this album doesn't include music from the last few years uh, of my music-making career so far. Uh, and I don't think of it as a career, it's a calling. But so this, many of these pieces on this album, Early Music Archive, they don't allow for an escape from what is happening because they are done in such a way. Um, you know, this was something I think I was partly aware of when I was making these pieces because it was something I already was striving for because I had noticed how I yearn for that kind of effect when I'm... Uh, seeking out music by others, something that is so engaging that it doesn't allow me to dwell on things that I shouldn't keep dwelling on. But sometimes, you know, it's not that easy to escape from that kind of thing. And uh, so a lot of these pieces, they are very direct and often they use um, a low amount of instruments or just a single instrument. Uh, for example, some pieces that I'm thinking of right now uh, were on synthesizers where it was a single instrument, actually. Or the piece that begins the album called Turtle Morning, that's just me playing an American Indian Ponderosa Pine flute which I've had for many years and which I even had with me on either all or most of my travels before the COVID epidemic started in 2020. I had it with me definitely in Iceland and probably elsewhere too. Anyway, so uh, this piece is just a single instrument. It's, however, not necessarily... No, let me take that back. I think it does have that quality also because when I listen back to it, I, I notice that there's aspects of it, to me at least. Oh, by the way, if, if you hear the music in the background, there are some dropouts in it, but that's part of the piece. That's not the glitch I was mentioning earlier. The sorry, let me. I was just wondering. Some I heard some thump like behind me, just people moving around. I guess. Um, it it has several aspects that, to me, are interesting and engaging. For example, one thing that I have mentioned somewhere it may have been in the sleeve notes for this album is that um, I play this flute in a way that doesn't make the pitches of the notes conform to what might be expected as the notes go higher they are more what someone might call out of tune but in fact it's not out of tune because there's, um, when you really think about it, uh, there's, there's only different kinds of sounds and whatever may, <clears throat> sorry, may sound good to someone, that's then uh, what works. And to me, with this flute, what I really like about it is the sound I get when playing it. So, um, 
softly that the pitches create a kind of scale of their own. However, now I've talked about this topic for a long time and I also wanted to get to other things before I finish this episode. I can't make this a long one. I'm trying to um, give my voice a rest and because I'm out of practice once again, I haven't recorded anything in a long time and I just noticed that I, you know, um, my voice might not be you know, up to recording much more. So, um, again, I'm very happy that you joined me here in uh, my imaginary uh, yet convincing-sounding bar. Sorry, I will clear my throat a little. Here's uh, something completely different. I am, well, before I mentioned that, I wanted to also bring up that for this year I have many different things that I hope to get out um, uh, at a fairly rapid pace. But when I say that, of course, I don't mean um, in a hurried way. Nothing is rushed. Everything that I do will be finished the way it needs to be. And uh, so what I mean simply is that I'm dedicating as much time as possible to doing this, uh, to having these pieces out um, without, you know, stretching um, the finishing of those over further years. I thought when I started uh, uh, really working through my backlog of creations. Um, It may have been two years ago or so, uh, when I may have mentioned it on my podcast for the first time also. But certainly, at that point, I thought it would be possible to go through everything in one year. And that turned out not to be possible, simply humanly not possible. Um... Things take their own time and there's only so much that you can do without uh, becoming careless or sloppy. And of course, that's unacceptable. And so it's necessary to pace myself to the extent that that's possible while still also, of course, um, working actively as much as I can. Um... I won't talk about all those projects now, but I wanted to mention one aspect relating to them. Um, I only started publishing and releasing my own, completely my own creations in 2019. And then from that, it still took uh, a few years until I finally published my first book of short stories called At Dawn Early Short Stories. And I say finally because that book had been in progress for more than 20 years in the sense that the earliest of those short stories was from 2001 and the book was published in 2022. And uh, all the stories were written over that period of two decades. Um, And um, I also say finally because this was always going to be one of the most central things that I was going to publish Um, because to me fiction, poetry, music and filmed works have been um, the things that I've been most oh sorry there was another audio glitch I think well they're still working out some issues with the sound system, I think. Um, I'm trying to catch the thought where I left it off. Yes, these these creations involving stories, poems, music, uh, filmmaking, those have been the 
works and the er the fields of art that I have been aiming at for the longest time and uh, you know I started way back um, in my early adulthood thinking that I would only be a writer and then later I realized that it wasn't enough I also needed to do other things <laughs> okay this is a problem now they started playing the um, reading of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's poem The Garden and uh, so you will be hearing my voice doubled um I'm I'm going to signal for this to be skipped. I mean, I'm really happy with that reading and the piece of music I did for it. Okay, now, yeah, we moved on. Uh, my point was that it was, uh, you know, simply... The way I started publishing things was simply a matter of what got finished first. And uh, that surprised me because it didn't go in any order that I could have expected. So the things I published first were things other than short stories and poems, for example. Uh, but among my... So what I'm saying is that among my most central works have been the short stories and the poems uh, and those those have the, both of those books were in progress for two decades and uh, so what I was what I started out saying before finishing that thought was that in the time leading up to the point where I then started publishing my own uh, works, my creative works that are fully by me. And by this, I'm simply referring to the fact I did, to the fact that I did write for four games um, many years before I started focusing fully on my own creative works as I felt I must because life isn't forever and uh, it needed to start happening at some point I couldn't just keep doing things for other people's creations um, what I was thinking sometimes and still have thought sometimes about is that well I wondered <laughs> this shouldn't be difficult to to put into words I had wondered whether people thought that I was just wasting my life somehow wasting time not doing anything in those years because often I wasn't sharing a lot of what I was working on when I was working on these short stories the poems and the music um, the music I have so far released is only a small part of what I have in various states of progress as either sheet music or as audio material and so on. And of course, ultimately, it doesn't matter what people thought. And um, this isn't a very important thought I'm sharing here, but it's a thought. So I'll share it. And then... Um, Later, after I had started publishing and releasing uh, these various things, because then uh, it became fairly fast, uh, the, the time, uh, the distance in time between publications or releases and then episodes of this podcast also and um, videos and so on, um, became uh, very short and then I wondered whether people sometimes were thinking to themselves you know not that many people would have um, not many people are aware of me or what I'm doing in this world at this point in time whether they wondered or thought even um, you know had a reaction that 
this guy is just throwing things together quickly and throwing them out into the world. Of course, that was never the case because whatever I have published and released has been made over a very long period of time. And uh, it's only um, how things worked out and what I felt was necessary. For those reasons, uh, all this work was building up without me advertising it all the time that not today I wrote this many words or today I uh, learned uh, this much music theory and then I... Uh, uh, did some sheet music and so I wasn't talking about that kind of thing there's nothing wrong with doing that and in fact with my Patreon my planned Patreon I may do exactly that because I'm feeling it could be very interesting and um, worthwhile to document what I'm doing more than I did in the past but in the past I had this approach of wishing to preserve the magic and the surprises uh, by not talking about things a lot before they were all done but of course that's just one approach and um, the other approach I was talking about is perfectly fine also, and I may go with that for my Patreon, at least to a greater extent than I ever did in the past. And um, so what happened was that I kept working and working over all these years. Um, and then eventually things started reaching a point where I knew that now this is ready. It's perfect now the way it needs to be uh, it is polished to perfection um, according wait oh yeah yeah there's some <laughs> I myself I'm getting distracted by some of these sounds um, like one of the main things I was working on um, on a more meta level I guess you could call it you know looking from above at what I was doing was developing a sense of what is good at least in the sense of what I want to achieve and what I want to put out there and what I don't want to put out there and those are two both of those are very important aspects of any creative work um, there's a lot of responsibility you know, that I wish all artists felt about what they are doing. You can't just put things out there because everything will affect people one way or another. It's not possible to experience anything without it affecting you. And so there are both good and bad things that can happen as a result of someone experiencing something you put out there. However, I, I will leave this uh, topic to another discussion um, to finish off this thought, I was working on all these things and then reaching a point with these various things in the order that it simply happened, where I knew that now this is ready to go out into the world. And then this, and uh, uh, for example, I published nonfiction before I published fiction. And yet, Certainly, uh, the fiction is what I consider the most precious and the most important. Um, uh, you know, it's among the the it's um, of the core things that I'm creating, and the things that could be called nonfiction are. Uh, something that happened alongside and because I guess I also did have a need to express things in a non-fiction way so there is for example this book series called Art and Love which so far has one volume out and the second volume is just needing final edits it's ready to go this year um, and um, 
the podcast, of course, is non-fiction um, most of the time. Uh, if there are fictional elements, then you will be aware of them. And, um, oh, okay, I, I'm going to just, I, I will leave it at that. Um, because I, I wanted to mention a dream that I had just in the last day or two. And when I say day, it may in fact have been day because um, I had a bad day, uh, well, a day or two ago, when I needed to just sleep as much as possible uh, to recover. I had gotten to a point that was maybe dangerous uh, in terms of how I was feeling physically and uh, uh, emotionally. And uh, uh, what happened um, when I slept, first there was a very unpleasant dream. Uh, this is not what I wanted to mention, but I mention it as something that happened first. I found myself in a dream at some kind of apartment or house with many rooms or at least several rooms and then I became aware that someone this may be shocking to hear I rarely talk about these kinds of things uh, but yes mentioning here a little warning giving a little warning uh, I became aware that someone was going to start chopping up a dead body using something like a meat cleaver. In fact, this may have come from an episode of a podcast called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, which I want to talk about at some future point for many reasons. Um, because in that, I remember a particular point where uh, one of uh, his co-hosts mentioned that he had uh, known someone who was in a play with someone who then killed and chopped up a body and spread it somewhere. Um, okay, this is very grim, but I thought this was still worth mentioning because what happened in that dream was quite, kind of interesting. I felt like, oh no, I don't want to be watching this. I don't want to be forced to watch this and to be here. Um, you know, there was no question, uh, there was no possibility that I could somehow prevent it in that dream. The dream didn't work that way. But what happened instead was that I was able to, uh, like, control the camera to turn the so-called camera away and then take it to another room so I didn't need to watch it or even hear it. I knew it was happening, but I, since I was not able to do anything about it, I was relieved that I was able to uh, not watch it and to go elsewhere. And then, uh, before I get to the part that I wanted to mention most of all about this sequence of dreams, um, I was, for some time, I was bicycling around a place that was like an amalgam, a combination of uh, places I have lived. There was lake and places you could ride on the lake shores and... Uh, then like a causeway uh, crossing the lake and uh, <clears throat> bridges and parts where you go under bridges and so on and that was a long extended sequence and at one point I was driving sorry cycling in the rain and um, um, there were some elements to this that I now can't fully recall what made it so interesting but uh, okay so the part I wanted to mention or the sequence in this or 
well, uh, there came a time in the dream or dreams where I was in some tunnels, tunnels made of brick or something else like that. So they weren't caves, they were human built tunnels and uh, I was in them and I came across two people. One, I am not sure about who that was, but the other person was someone who had been uh, very important in my life and um, that I... Sorry, let me compose this thought. That I hadn't seen in a long time. And uh, there was only a brief exchange of words and it was a little distant, it was not anything very intimate. But then I mentioned that I need to go now and I took off jogging down the tunnel towards the light in another direction than I had come from. I had come from one direction, met these two people at a place where the tunnel took a turn to the right and from there there was a long way to run to get out of the tunnel. But I took off jogging and I had a backpack on and I was holding the backpack in place so it wouldn't jostle too much on my back. And uh, so there are several aspects to this that made me feel grateful for this dream. First, when I was jogging, I felt light and uh, healthy and fit and... um, There have been times in my life when I have not been well physically and um, I haven't felt like doing that in real life. But in fact, um, many years ago, I developed this habit that when I was out and usually I would be, uh, sorry, I, I would be swearing sneakers. No, I would be wearing sneakers because they are comfortable, they are good for the foot, um, at least if they are good sneakers. So what I would do is, if I felt like running when just going somewhere on errands, I would do that. I would start jogging, or if I was feeling particularly energetic, I would run. And I almost never see other people do that, so it may be seen as unusual. But to me, that's a great thing and a great feeling when you suddenly want to break into a jog or run, and you can do that because, well, very importantly, you are wearing the right kinds of shoes. And um, so I used to do that a lot in the past, but in times when I was feeling, uh, you know, too terrible physically, I didn't do that. And um, when whenever I may have tried, it just didn't feel good then and may have been, in fact, dangerous if feeling really you know, that there was, by God, you, you you had taken yourself, or, well, I had taken myself to a dangerous level in terms of straining myself. Um, but so this happening in the dream felt really great. And uh, it also reflected something that has happened in real life. In, uh, you know... Some recent times I have now started doing that again sometimes. Uh, I will just, I'll be walking somewhere and then I will feel like I want to jog. Now there's, this happened just, uh, uh, it has happened uh, just in recent days. For example, when, um, when I came to a tunnel, an underpass where there wasn't ice and snow because... It's not very smart to run on ice and snow, but the tunnel was free of that. And then I realized, hey, I can run through this. And so I did that, and it felt great. Um, I felt good enough to do that, even though, you know, there have been many difficult things recently, so that's not a general description of how I felt. So that part came from real life, but also... There was this 
other element that I now wonder whether I should even talk about it because it is quite private and intimate, but I felt in the dream that the person I mentioned was glad to see me. There was nothing said to make that clear because there were factors involved that wouldn't even have made that possible. But I felt good that a person who had mattered a lot to me was glad to see me. And that, that may sound like the simplest thing in the world or maybe for some people that's the most common feeling or the most commonplace thing that they can think of but it's not something all of us can take for granted having these kinds of moments in real life um, okay one more thing and then I need to finish also I I want to give room for them to keep working on this part of the bar because like I mentioned it's still under construction and yes we are simply in my imagination right now um, I was watching this segment from the podcast that I mentioned earlier in this episode called Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend it often also, you can find videos of it. They have filmed those um, episodes as well. Uh, the, the full episodes are not available um, in video form, at least so far, but segments. And uh, many of the segments, in fact, that are most enjoyable are ones where the co-hosts are talking with Conan O'Brien. Um, again, I feel tempted to go into this at more length and depth because there's a lot to be said about Conan O'Brien and why I feel very happy about what he has achieved. Just to summarize extremely briefly, too briefly, this is not sufficient, but... Um, I feel that his podcast is uh, even greater than what he had achieved before. Uh, it has many of the qualities that I aim for myself and in my own entirely different way or ways, uh, where there's none of the excess baggage that was necessary when doing TV shows uh, almost every day lasting for more than 40 minutes and for year after year there was a lot needed to fill that time and uh, in this form Conan O'Brien can be very pure and natural it's not about uh, creating this kind of artificial show that is necessary uh, or was necessary at least for talk shows in the past even the best of them and my favorite was always Conan O'Brien's uh, for reasons that I may go into in the future but uh, this segment that I wanted to briefly mention was uh, one where he was talking with a writer and actor called uh, Jim Downey um, that was a name I didn't know until just recent years. I became aware of who he is. He is someone who was involved in, or has been involved in, um, the history of the TV series called Saturday Night Live for most of its history. But, uh, another context where some people may remember him from is that he was uh, the person who played the part of the man in a film called Billy Madison starring Adam Sandler. I haven't seen that film. I have seen only this scene from it. But uh, 
Jim Downey plays the character who gives this speech that has become a meme, um, you know, very famous, uh, you know, even among people who haven't seen the film, like me, where uh, the, well, what is said is something close to the following. This is not an exact quote, but it's something like this. Um, no, it, it's funny. Um, I was just, um, I've been, uh, I've watched this clip now a few times um, in the last couple of days. And um, so anyway, uh, he is pointing out that what Adam Sandro's character said was one of the most idiotic things that he has ever heard. Uh, this rambling, incoherent uh, reply or response at no point came close to anything uh, that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to that. Um, and then he finishes. Uh, this I remember exactly. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, the points because it was a kind of quiz show situation. Um, well, I'm telling this story in way too much detail, but I wanted to give some context about who Jim Downey is, and in case it's a name not familiar to you, as it wasn't for me either. Um, in this episode, Conan O'Brien and Jim Downey were talking about Noel MacDonald, who passed away some time ago now, and uh, about how they worked together on this segment of Saturday Night Live when Norm MacDonald was the host of that segment. They wrote together uh, along with some other people, but especially Norm and Jim Downey uh, were often uh, writing together. And... Uh, what they talk about, talked about in that segment, Conan O'Brien and Jim Downey, and uh, when they were talking about Norm MacDonald and crafting those jokes, those segments, um, what occurred to me was that no matter what you would think about whether the subject matter was in good taste, this was a real discussion about... Um, good writing and uh, when I say good writing here I mean in such a way that it's an objective uh, matter they were talking about how to take something and express it uh, either you know either you have the right way to express it already or towards the end of that discussion they were talking about a particular joke and how to how they made it better by in fact editing by uh, making small tweaks um, first by adding quote to that uh, so what was being said had at a certain point the word quote spoken out loud and then after that adding one more word that suddenly made it even better than it was before, the joke. And uh, I said that I'm talking about objectively good writing, and um, this is another huge topic, but uh, what I mean is, is that it's undeniable that how they crafted that joke and made it better, it was better objectively. Uh, I don't think it would be possible to make the case that actually it became worse or it wasn't good editing, it wasn't good working on writing to reach that end result. Uh, I think no one could actually argue against it. That, uh, and, uh, you know, Jim Downey's final contribution was adding just one word to this that suddenly made it a kind of 
little uh, vignette or story in the mind of anyone who heard it. And um, I'm not repeating the joke um, because I don't want to spoil it. They tell it much better than I can. And also, uh, it's uh, very filthy, which is not a problem for me. Uh, it's also uh, of such a nature that, um, you know, it may give um, many people pause about whether this is something that should be laughed at. Um, but yes, this is yet another topic that would be very interesting to go into about how, in fact, what makes you laugh isn't necessarily something that you uh, can somehow give your stamp of approval for. St sorry, I stumbled over that. Your stamp of approval for, and uh, it's completely separate, like whether, you, whether something makes you laugh, uh, that is separate from what you might want to say or not say um, if you were expressing something um, and in some other kind of context. And this is something I took a long time in my own life to realize that this is so. Um, but I can't go into this topic anymore. I'm, um, I'm, I'm seeing that it's also getting close to closing time. Um, this has been only, the bar has been open only for an experimental crowd, uh, like a test crowd. Um, uh, and uh, this has been a very select group that have known that uh, this is under construction. We are still figuring out different things about the place and uh, how to have it configured. Not even all the furniture is in place yet. And uh, the... Um, you know, there's all kinds of interesting things about this that um, we want to see how it will be most conducive to what we are trying to achieve here. It's not meant to be just another bar. It's meant to be a creative space also. But, um, yes, now I think I'll finish and... Uh, if this made you sleepy or um, made you, you know, wonder what the hell is this guy talking about or where the hell is he going with this or anything like that, then that, again, may not be such a bad thing. If I uh, achieved even that, I'm glad. Because, you know, there's so much was that could be achieved in this world um, hey I want to finish this and uh, we need to go our separate ways now but um, you know only until next time and uh, I wanted to finish by saying uh, you know uh, how, sh how can I say this briefly and well I'm extremely happy and grateful uh, for comments I have received um, in regards to this podcast and my various creative works from people who have really taken the time sorry, uh, there's some distracting noises again here uh, who have taken the time to really experience those works and experience this podcast and who have then put it into words and expressed to me um, what made it feel meaningful to them, uh, what qualities, what aspects, or even if they have simply expressed that uh, this was something I was glad to have experienced. Um, so again, thank you for that to all the people um, yeah, the sound system needs work. Okay. Um, hey, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk again soon, I hope. And uh, I, I hope, you know, of course, most people who listen to this will do so long after this day of recording has passed. 
but whatever year you're starting or whatever part of year you're starting and so on you know if you're living your life in such a way as to try to you know um, do some good rather than just be selfish in this world as long as you're in that group then I wish you a good year or day or night or any period of time ahead okay bye for now and take care